Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Welcome into the Rising Champions Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Bovey, alongside Dr. Jason Novetsky. Doc, I know you're devastated, okay? Golf season is officially over. Um, <laughs> how are you handling that, okay? Are you doing all right? I am in withdrawals. Uh, <laughs> I, I did get to play this past, uh, in December, this past, uh, I think it was Friday or Saturday, I can't, or Sunday, I can't remember, but we had that one last warm day. Uh, that we played and uh, now I'm just resigned to watching golf on TV and a lot of bad YouTube videos. Well, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I'm so sick and I miss it already so much. I booked a trip to Florida to play a bunch of golf. Ah. So uh, January can't come, you know, soon enough. Uh, I hear you. Another fun episode uh, and really a great conversation uh, with a, a longtime friend of yours, mm -hmm. uh, a local, you know, baseball coach and a guy who is, working with, you know, a ton of youth baseball players, specifically, you know, from a catching standpoint, and just a guy who, to me, really seems to want to connect with his players off the diamond as opposed to just on the diamond. And I think this day and age, doing that is so unbelievably important, being able to understand the person that you're dealing with as opposed to just the player. That's a great way to say it. And that's exactly what Coach Jerry Brown is all about. We call him Coach JB. Um, if you're from this area and you don't know who JB is, I don't know where you've been. Um, <laughs> he is one of the most passionate, energetic, fun-loving coaches that you're ever going to meet. But he will push you uh, to be better. Uh, so I've known JB since high school. We went to Oak Park High School together here in Michigan. Um, he was actually an amazing wrestler. That wasn't brought up in our conversation, but he was an amazing wrestler and actually got a scholarship uh, to Grand Valley State to wrestle. And so that's where he, he spent his college time. And, uh, but his passion is baseball and his passion is catching. And overall, his passion is just making people better. And I think that comes out loud and clear. So we've coached together in the travel circuits uh, years back when our young kids played. Uh, he had the opportunity to also coach Division One baseball as an assistant at Eastern Michigan University. Uh, he started an organization called the Midwest Cubs that he still coaches now and then. And I believe now he is an assistant coach at Henry Ford Community College and also owns a company called the Midwest Catching Academy, where he trains all those great young kids that you just mentioned. Well, and, and as you'll be able to tell in the uh, extended conversation uh, with Coach here, certainly a little bit of a friendly rivalry uh, between uh, <laughs> you and him, uh, the pitching versus the catching. Uh, and I, I always find it fascinating that the people that you're closest to are the ones that will give you the hardest time and yeah. share a, a great laugh with. But I, I do think that, that that's just so important from a relationship standpoint. You can really feel, you know, the fact that you two have known each other for so long – in the conversation that we're going to get to here on the Rising Champions Podcast. Yeah, and, and it's all about love. I mean, uh, JB and I, like I said, go way back, and uh, we've had good, tough arguments, I'll be honest, and he'll attest to that as well, but 99% of the time, we, we end up on the right side of things, and uh, for the betterment of the kids, that's what it's all about. Well, and I, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that, that forget that, you know, that it, yeah. it could potentially be about them and, you know, they need to win another state championship or they need it on their resume, um, you know, with all these accomplishments. And that's not what it's about at all. You know, it's, it's obviously you want to win, you want to develop people and players, but ultimately it comes down to 
what is that individual going to be like 20 years from now when they've long forgotten you, they've long forgotten the school or the coaching, and they, they're just out there and they need to be successful in life? 100% right. I mean, at the end of the day, no one's going to remember your win-loss record or your stats. They're going to remember how you treated them as a person. And, and I think that's what JB lives by. Well, a great conversation. Uh, without further ado, I want to make sure that we uh, get to Coach Jerry Brown, Coach JB, uh, you know, as he's better uh, referred to. And uh, I'm sure all of you, especially Doc's uh, um, clients, will love, uh, you know, JB uh, kind of ribbing Doc. Uh, so make sure you give him crap uh, the next time you have a meeting with him uh, if you are able to listen. And by the way, this uh, interview is brought to you by Brand25 Media. Um, and if you'd like some more information on digital marketing, social media management, just simply increasing your online presence. If you're a small business, especially here in the state of Michigan, you can go to brand25media.com. That's brand25media.com. Here's Coach JB, Jerry Brown. Okay, so Coach, I, I wanted to start with uh, you know very important question here uh, on the Rising Champions podcast. And by the way, we're very happy uh, to have you on this evening. But um, You've known Dr. Jason Nevetsky for oh, here we a go. long period of time, okay? <laughs> Is there anything that you can tell us about him that maybe he wouldn't want, you know, our listening audience to know? An embarrassing story, perhaps? Or, uh, you know, I guess, how, how do you know each other and how did things get started with your relationship? Well, first and foremost, I'm not going to tell any embarrassing stories because he's probably got twice as many about me. <laughs> so, so we'll start with that. <laughs> right. Um, so but uh, I, I will tell you, he's left handed. I don't know if you know that. Or not. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I know he's left handed. So I, I see that. So you being around sports all the time, you just know that, uh, you know, left handers just need to be handled with kid gloves a little bit. <laughs> We uh, we love them when they're on our team, uh, when they're on another team that we can't stand them. But when they're on our team, they get, keep things uh, interesting. Let's just say, and how's that for how's that for a, a non-answer to your very direct question? That's perfect. <laughs> 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 oh wow jb that's uh that's a good one it's so true and I, I still wear my hat crooked that yeah. <laughs> that's so they can stand up straight you know that that's right, right. That's, right. <laughs> that's right well coach it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on this podcast uh as kyle said we've known each other a long time we've coached together we're good friends our kids grew up together and played baseball together mm -hmm. as well uh, so there's a lot of connections. We have lots of meals and a few cocktails together every now and then as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, Coach, the, the purpose of this podcast that Kyle and I do is to really highlight the importance of the mental side of sports. And in the case for tonight, we're going to be mostly talking about baseball, but it's also going to transcend life as well. So I think one question out of the gate that, that I have for you, and I ask this to a lot of coaches, and I ask this to players as well, why do you coach? Mm. Um, I think it has a lot to do with how I um, live my life in general, and that's to be a person that serves other people. And as you know, uh, serving our young people is probably one of the biggest things, in, at least in my opinion, that you could do because you're really uh, trying to give them some of the experiences that you've had, um, good and bad, and hoping that they can avoid a few along the way. Unfortunately, some of them would rather bump their heads, but uh, that's okay too. At least uh, if they recognize it later, maybe the second or third time they heard it kind of thing. So I really, uh, do, I really coach because I want to serve people and young people in uh, particular. 
Was there, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I actually originally wanted to go into coaching before I ended up in, in broadcasting and now, you know, doing this and, you know, various other things. But I had a few coaches that were very instrumental, I guess, in my development as a young man and as an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, even though it didn't work out big time for me when it came to sports. But um, was there a coach, a, you know, parent perhaps that really, I guess, instilled that in you and, and told you early on, this is something that I kind of want to do or, or get involved with when, when I'm an adult. Well, you know what? Um, there were some coaches and I can think of one uh, in particular, uh, coach Bernard Wells, uh, who was my coach over in uh, Oak park. And he was my coach. Uh, I think one year of football, several years of, uh, of wrestling. And uh, he supported just, just about everything I did. I can't say that at the time I was thinking, Oh, I want to be a coach just like him. But I knew that um, after I got older and the uh, impact that he had on me and that I still like just rattle his name off in general conversations with friends and that we're talking about sports. um, I knew that uh, I wanted to be able to impact people the way he did. And uh, and, you know, and as a coach and as a person, I've evolved and become, you know, uh, different, hopefully more wise, wiser. (laughs) But uh, but. You know, as I've uh, coached years at years and years, um, I've, uh, you know, learned a few things along the way. And hopefully I'm able to share even more uh, with folks. Right. So, JB, you know, from that point of view, every coach then develops what I call like a coaching philosophy and an approach to coaching. Mm -hmm. And, And I know you are all about having fun. And, and, and displaying passion and things like that. Can you expand on that? And maybe where did that come from? Maybe it was from Coach Wells. Uh, but along the way, you developed a philosophy and approach to coaching. Well, uh, first and foremost, again, I think it comes back to kind of how you live your life. And mm-hmm. I always felt like uh, like I'm – I'm uh, doing my best or I'm at my best when I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So I'm having fun. I'm laughing. I'm, you know, I'm, that's puts me in my element. So I try to take who I am to the business uh, of coaching. And so, so as we're, as I'm sitting here and I'm talking to, uh, to uh, players and things like that, you know, I used to have a philosophy and it was probably built from a lot of philosophies that I read in books and about other coaches and things like that, you know, how to achieve excellence and how to wake up every day and want to get better and you know what all those things are true I think and I think the world of all those coaches who taught me including yourself who've taught me a lot of those things but I think if uh if I haven't learned one I mean the most important thing I probably have learned is that I'm coaching people and that all people receive information uh differently Mm -hmm. and so first of all you got to get to know those people and so as I get to know the people that I'm coaching and know them individually I can kind of put together what that person needs in order to help him be successful. And, uh, and so that's kind of what my uh, philosophy is. Just try to get, make sure I, I am in lockstep with who I'm coaching. I can attest to that. Yeah. Because I've been around you enough with some in difficult situations and Mm -hmm. I can, I have seen how you try to figure out what makes a particular athlete tick and and how to reach them. And, And you can't have a cookie cutter approach to, to coaching athletes because everybody's different, which, which kind of leads me into another question. I know Kyle's got a bunch too, but this, this makes sense to me that today's kids, maybe, you know, you hear a lot about today's kids and I'm using air quotes here for people that can't see me. <laughs> and, you know, they say they're different or maybe they yeah. didn't say they're soft. 
or, and things like that. What, what is your opinion of that? And, and how do you reach those kids? Well, first of all, um, I think you and I may have gone to the same conference together, or maybe it was a conference that I went to uh, a prior year. Um, but there was a guy there that was from uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates organization that said something that I thought was super, super profound. He, he starts off his presentation and he puts up this, uh, this picture of a, a of the today's athlete that everyone, you know, I probably have been guilty of calling him soft here and there too. Right. So uh, he puts up today's athlete and he says, well, this is a picture of him when he was eight and he's got all these trophies around him. He's got these medals around his neck and it's probably upwards of 30 um, trophies already. And he's eight years old. And they said, you know, you're going to try to you're trying to motivate a kid from the past when this is really the kid that you need to be trying to motivate. He's got 30 trophies at the age of eight and you're trying to tell him that he needs to get better. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so I, I, I look at that and I go, that is the kid that I'm trying to get to. So, so what are his buttons, if you will? I'm using air quotes for people can't see me too. So what are his buttons? And sometimes those buttons have nothing to do with what I think his buttons ought to be. You know, maybe he's not interested in playing college uh, baseball, or maybe he's not interested in um, the work that goes along with uh, college baseball. Maybe he wants to get a letter in his jacket and put a letter on his jacket and just uh, be able to have some memories and some friends and, and things like that. So again, I think it all still comes back to knowing who the kid is. And then obviously you got to have rules for your uh, team that apply to everyone. But as we know, they don't always apply uh, equally. Sometimes we, uh, we do different things for different kids so that we can keep them involved in the uh, process. That's right. That's uh, it's fascinating. And, you know, just kind of along those lines too. I mean, I, I was at the tail end, I guess, of, you know, the generation where I'm reminded to remember the Titans quote, you know, well, maybe if they hate me, they won't hate each other. Um, you know, kind of mentality. I, I, use, I use that a lot. I mean, I don't actually say it. I do that a lot. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, to the point where I had a, you know, my high school basketball coach was the guy who would come in and scream and throw the whiteboard and break a marker. And, you know, and mm -hmm. then the assistant coach would come in and clean up, you know, mop up duty. And at the time, exactly. you don't know it's a, you know, a little bit of a game and a charade. It is. It is. You realize it a little bit later on in life. Um, you know, and, and I got to right. believe that figuring out, like you said, what buttons to push, which kids to maybe lean on a little bit harder, push a little bit harder, then mm -hmm. there is a very healthy balance to that. There's really no handbook. You know, no. you, you really have to just there kind of you know, figure it out, identify, get to know these you know, individual players, and then you can kind of go from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so in that whole, they, um, you know, if they don't like me, hopefully they'll like each other or something like that. I do that all the time. We, uh, we sometimes have practices where um, I'm responsible for the um, catchers at, at uh, Henry Ford. And so we sometimes have practices and I can tell that maybe they're not getting along they're trying to push each other or get on each other. And that's not going so well because sometimes they don't take it so well from their peer. And so then I just become the uh, pit bull. And then, then they all of a sudden they turn their focus on me and, you know, and how much of a, uh, you know, <laughs> keep it clean. I don't know how clean we keep this, but but they they and they turn it. They turn their um their the you know their aim toward me all of a sudden, and then they start liking each other a little better. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. It's, it's outstanding to watch. And then you know by the end of the season, some kid will come along and go, "Hey, you actually uh you actually 
goading us a little bit. Or <laughs> <laughs> they start to figure you out real, real Yeah, quick. they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you brought up catching, Coach, and yeah. I know you as one of the best instructors in, as a you know for catchers that I've ever seen. And I've seen you in action. Obviously, we've coached together. Mm-hmm. Where did that passion and love for coaching catchers come from? Oh, man. So I fell in love with, first of all, the catching uh, position when I was uh, I was like the youngest kid on a, a hardball team and they had this uh, catcher's equipment and no one wanted to put it on. It was a size medium and I was a size small at best. And so <laughs> I did everything I could to get that catcher's equipment on because I wanted to play on that team because there was no team that was younger than them. I wanted to play with the big boys um, before my time. So that's probably where it's the, the, the love for catching started. And then, of course, you know, in this town, we had uh, Lance Parrish, which made it really easy for us to uh, like catchers around here. And then, you know, there was my first ever World Series where I'm watching the great one, uh, number five, do his thing behind the uh, plate so I guess um in watching those guys that that made me want to be um uh in the catching position so um fast forward to uh coaching it was kind of the natural uh place for me because I had spent some time growing up uh being a catcher and then it was uh natural because I usually uh try to lead from the front and catchers as you know are uh, or at least I, I'm talking to a pitcher, so I have to be careful here. That's right. But, you, uh, do. but you know, some, <laughs> they, they uh, think of themselves as very sensitive. <laughs> Especially as left-handed pitchers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but they, uh, but they think of them, you know, catchers like to think of themselves as the quarterback on the field. So, uh, so, and I've always considered myself that uh, type of guy. So I wanted to learn as much as I could about the uh, position. And so I got a chance early on to uh, hook up with some coaches, yourself included, who um, actually didn't want to be involved with the catching position necessarily. <laughs> and they kind of pushed me there. And so that here I was right back in it. But uh, I know like uh, when I was coaching with uh, Jay Alexander over at uh, Eastern, when I was coaching with you with the Red Sox and, uh, and then I met, several other catchers along the way. So like John Judge, you remember John? Oh, yeah, uh, Judge John. Sox? Yep. John, uh, you know, and he used to back up Parrish at one time. So that mm-hmm. I, could, I just hang on his every word. So, um, so again, just kind of being a sponge to some of the people that I've had the privilege of uh, uh, meeting along the way and then wanting to take that information and give it um, as best I could to the c- kids that I was coaching. Mm. Yep. JB, would you say that there is a mentality – it makes a good catcher. Sure. Absolutely. Um, first of all, you got to be okay with a little responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm going to start with, you know, the catchers that I work with now that are um, at, in college and college catchers, God help them. They've got to know not only, you know, six different first third signs and um, you know, every other sign that the pitcher is going to call and they got to know what the middle fin fielders are doing. And they've got to, um, they're responsible for being the first person to call the play or, or call the um, um, you know, bunk coverage or whatever it is. I mean, they got to know all that stuff and theirs and someone else's and then they got to go play. Right. Mm. <laughs> so, so, so I'd say, yes, there's a mentality to the catchers. He's got to be willing to be one of the smart guys on the field and be okay with that yeah. to uh, be in learning mode all the time. And then he's got to be kind of the enforcer um, guy too. Like I always said, um, uh, you know, you, you're, 
there's nine people on the field and you're the catcher. Eight people are looking at you. You're looking at eight. So uh, either you're the most important or you got to be given the instructions, one or the other. Maybe both. I won't say most important, though, because I'm talking to a pitcher. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get out of this unscathed. No, 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 and, no. And in baseball, he- heaven forbid a batter hits a home run and he maybe uh, enjoys that home run. Pitchers <laughs> can't have any of that, right? That's Meanwhile, right. pitcher gets a strikeout. They're, they're clenching their fists. They're running off the field. They're all pumped up. It's, it seems like a just, double standard to me. Just so you know, we don't want anyone enjoying home runs on us. <laughs> I want them, you know what? If they want to speed up baseball, take the person that hits a home run and make them go to the dugout. <laughs> At least when it's against us. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts because this was something even, you know, as a, a younger player that I struggled with, uh, you know, in the game of baseball. Yeah. And it was focusing. Baseball can drag on. It can be long. It can be hot in those pants. I I retired after the second grade hardball season, the Baltimore Orioles. I I couldn't do it anymore. But Mm -hmm. in in baseball, when you talk about focus, you talk about staying in the game mentally. How do you go about preaching that? And I guess imploring your players to exercise that because there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of lulls in, in a baseball game. Yeah, so so I think in younger baseball, there's probably more lulls than there is in high school and uh, and certainly uh, less than uh, college. Um, in, in college, what you do is you typically give responsibilities. So everyone's got something to do. So if I'm in a dugout and maybe I'm tracking all of the pitcher tendencies, if I'm not playing, you know, if I'm in a dugout, I'm tracking the uh, the hitter tendencies, even the running uh, part of that. So are they a red runner, a yellow runner or a green runner? So so you're giving people all these different things to do. And one of the things that Doc used to do is he used to even have them play a game within a game. And I stole that, by the way, Jason, and I'm not <laughs> <laughs> just like we all do in baseball. I stole That's that. right. But uh, you haven't played a game within a game. And what we mean by that is you've got certain things or goals that you're trying to accomplish that are outside of what the score is. So when the other team scores, you answer back, you know, ticking that every time in the dugout. So you may be the person responsible for for that part of the game within the game. Or things like uh, if uh, we get our bunt down when we're supposed to in a sacrifice and then everybody getting up and congratulating the guy that gave himself up for the team kind of thing. And we tick how many times we're able to do that. And there's a, you know, a variety of different things that you can have them be focused on that'll actually allow them to kind of stay in the game. It's kind of like when you go to, uh, uh, I almost said Tiger Stadium, so I'm just going to date myself. As if, the beer, as, if the, as if the beer didn't already do it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just like when you go to Comerica Park and you see some fans still sitting in the stands with an old scorebook and they're taking score. Well, that's how they stay in the game because they're they're tracking all of the um, little things about this game that they, you know, paid money to see. You know, there's somebody being paid to take score in there, but this person's taking score because they, they, they're trying to stay, you know, stay locked into it. That's right. Last but not least on that same question, though, I'll say, uh, I think the way that I like to play the game um, makes it interesting because uh, I'm a base running coach as well. So that's what I do for uh, Henry Ford. And I, I like to cause chaos on bases. And somehow that brings energy to our dugout because they know if we're stealing and double stealing and hitting runs and, and uh, sack bunts or, um, or we're uh, um, squeezing, uh, squeezing guys in from third and things like that, that just brings the energy level to, of the dugout up. So um, See, see I, I love that, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, Doc, maybe plug your ears. I don't want to 
dog pictures or anything anymore. <laughs> hey, let's go ahead. You dog them. Yeah, no, yeah. But, but you, you do that for a reason, obviously, as a yes. manager and as coaches, because for whatever reason, it seems, and Doc, maybe you can shed some light on this. I don't understand why pitchers are so worried about what's going on in the base pass. Like at the end of the day, if, if you strike a guy out, if you make the pitches, you hit your spots, you don't have to worry about what else is going on around you. If a guy's baiting you, you know, try, you know, a little too far <laughs> off first base. I'll never understand why these pitchers they get so frazzled when a guy gets on base. That's boring. Let, let me defend the world of pitchers. <laughs> so first and foremost, one, one reason is, is bad that we do that because it's our, our, our ego. And we don't want anybody getting a big lead on us. That's a, that's sure. a problem we all have. I'll admit that. But from a tactical standpoint, I think Coach would agree with me, as a pitcher, the nuances of the game as you get older, you realize that every step matters. Mm-hmm. And so as a pitcher, your job Absolutely. is to keep that runner as close to that base as possible, uh, vary your timing so they don't get a good jump, give your fielders an opportunity to turn two or the outfielder an opportunity to throw out that runner on a sack, you know, anything uh, to get this much of an advantage. So that's why one is bad. One is ego related. One is certainly tactical related as well. Yeah. yeah. So coach, I mean, this has been amazing stuff. I have uh, another question for you though. Tell us more about what you're doing now. In addition to, you know, your coaching at Henry Ford, and I know you got some travel teams that you're, you're working with and things like that mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your your business in terms of midwest catching academy oh, okay that's man it's it's uh it's evolved from you know where i used to uh i used to just work with a couple catchers that you know just wanted to be catchers and learn how to catch the ball and all that kind of stuff and so i'd be doing that uh during the winters and then um you know those same catchers the parents would call me during the summer and folks would see me on the playground uh working you know when guys have got catcher's equipment on us kind of gets people's attention mm-hmm. they come over and ask me and so so again it, it kind of evolved into something that uh, I don't know I, I don't even know where it's going so so <laughs> so right now what I'm doing is uh, every week um, we are uh, we I'm training catchers and the sessions now are anywhere from uh, 15 to 20 uh, players mm-hmm. and uh, and then uh, I've got lots of one-on-ones um, with uh, catchers so you know Folks will want their uh, kid to kind of get up to speed quickly, and so they'll go one-on-one. And as you know, when you're working with uh, pitchers, if you're working with uh, 10 of them, they get to a certain level. But if you're working them one-on-one, they get there, you know, a lot quicker. Absolutely. So uh, so that's kind of what I'm doing with them, and um, I'm trying to do it on a regular basis. And then I'm trying to create um, or I am creating content that also helps because, you know, again, you're talking about old school and new school uh, uh, players. If my coach told me that I need to be working out three times a week, I'd be working out four times a week and going after it, getting after it, you know, the other days a little bit too, probably. Well, these kids, you, you know, you just give them homework assignments, say, hey, okay, next time I see you, I want you to be better at this, this, and this, and I want you to do strength and conditioning. Well, they don't do it. So what mm-hmm. I did is I tried to I created some content, which was uh, more of a strength and conditioning that's catcher specific. And I call those uh, catcher specific hit training. So the uh, high intensity interval training. And so it's a 30 minute hit. You can do it, be done with it, you know, like I said, in 30 minutes, but it gets your heart rate up fast. It uh, gets your strength and conditioning and it works on your fundamentals at the same time. So, 
So all of those things are things that I put out there. I, I do them live, but then they can go and rewatch them as many uh, times as they want. And so, uh, and so that's kind of what, what I'm doing with the Academy. I don't, again, I don't know where it's going, but it is growing. And uh, I don't know, we're going to have fun doing it while it's last. That's right. And I think, last. you know, those kids that benefit from your style of coaching, you know, if they put in that extra work, we know that more preparation is going to breed more confidence. Sure. And so they're going to be more sure. mentally tough because they know they're prepared and they can trust their abilities and things of that nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it, um, and on that same subject, we, uh, we, a lot of times we'll try to prepare folks for those situations. So right in practice, we're trying to create as many game like situations as we can. And as you know uh, me from the past uh, some of those game situations are more distractions than anything else because I just figured if they can uh, if they can handle the distractions that I'm going to provide for them in practice then the game just becomes easy you know no real science to that it's just <laughs> that's just kind of right. how it is right and so uh, so part of getting them prepared is trying to create a live uh, you know sometimes nuts uh, environment. All right. I know where he's going with this and I got to tell a story. Uh oh, so, Kyle, you're going to love this. <laughs> so, so he's going to get one back. He's going to get one back. This is a good story. This, a good I story. guarantee this won't be about pictures. <laughs> no, this is good. This is all about you, JB. This is good. Oh, oh um, so <laughs> coach and I are part of an organization and we take, we used to take a bunch of our teams out to a college, uh, field, college uh, campus for the weekend. Uh, this is part of the old Michigan Red Sox and give credit to Mark Sackett for organizing this. And so he would, we would set up lots of uh, stations on, on Adrian college's field. And I'm out there one, one afternoon and I'm working with a bunch of pitchers off to the side and things like that. And I hear what I think is a car accident. <laughs> behind me and I am like what is going on back there and I look behind home plate and I see coach JB and a bunch of catchers and runners with the garbage cans and I'm like what is happening here and what they're doing is they're trying to almost recreate a play at the plate and these runners or I'm sorry coach JB is like literally hitting these catchers with garbage cans as they're catching the ball and trying to tag a runner out. So talk about real life <laughs> simulation <laughs> that, and, and these kids were having so much fun doing it. It wasn't hurting anybody. Of course it was all in good, you know, and fun, but it was, it made these catchers tougher. Well, and, Tell us and, more and about bigger, that. Yeah. And, and bigger <laughs> picture as well in life inevitably you're going to get hit by garbage cans quite often. <laughs> it's how you deal with getting hit by the garbage can. It tells you what kind of person you are. Right. What a metaphor. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, Coach, where yeah. did you come up with that drill? Actually, that was John Judge. I can't even take credit for it. Oh, wow. He had us over there looking for uh, cans that weren't steel, and then, <laughs> and then he found some, and then by the time we were done with those things, they wouldn't hold garbage anymore. I mean, these <laughs> – so, so actually, I can't even take credit for it. It's just like a you know a million things in baseball. No one creates anything in the sport. We all just steal it from the other coaches. Yeah. So, uh, so that's where I got it from, and I still use it today. I've probably gone soft on you a little bit though, because I use the big, you know, what's the big ball call that you do the setups on? Oh yeah, the yeah, the balls or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I take those balls and I come running in and I tell them they better be tagging me low and then they'll tag low and sometimes I'll bowl them over still. And uh, that is still the most fun session in our – so we just did eight – we're uh, getting toward the end of eight weeks now in our uh, our catcher series. And, uh, and 
that is the most fun week. When they know that I, when I pull those balls out first, the kids that have been there before, they go, uh-oh, and they start smiling, <laughs> start padding up. And then the ones that haven't seen it before, they just go, what the heck is about to happen to me? <laughs> and this year, I let the older kids, who, or it's just the kids that had been there before, I let them run with the ball toward the kids that had not been there before. Mm-hmm. That was even more fun because Absolutely. they were really letting them have it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 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 Coach, Coach, uh, this has been – go ahead. Please. No, I mean, I I was simply just going to say, I mean, yeah, this is uh, fantastic. I feel like we could uh, exchange (laughs) stories uh, the the, the rest of the night here. But um, if you had to point people in one direction, where to find you, where to keep up with with everything that you're doing, how can we monitor the the progress? And if there's anyone certainly interested in potentially reaching out for coaching, uh, where can they find you? Oh, okay. Well, um, I do – I use a lot of social media, primarily, though, all of my stuff in terms of events in my calendar is on uh, Facebook. And so I'm Facebook slash Coach JB42. And that's where you can find, again, the uh, those uh, those uh, hit workouts. You can find a lot of uh, pictures and videos of the uh, uh, academy, as well as I started something new about three weeks ago as I started interviewing some of the catchers who have come through the program and now are doing are either in college or going uh, uh, pro. So it's called my uh, catcher connections. And so it's just a sit down interview in my uh, studio slash garage and uh, <laughs> with six feet uh, between us and uh, <laughs> and I actually just allow them to tell their story so that lots of uh, parents and certainly catchers can hopefully benefit from their story and they just know that it's not a straight line it's not you know d1 or bust or d2 or bust it's you know whatever fits your big picture for yourself kind of thing so so That's those are stuff. those are on there as well. Okay. Well, Coach, again, it's been an honor and a pleasure to catch up with you. I think our Same. listeners, yeah, thank you, and our, our coaches especially that, that tune in uh, need to hear what you have to say about your philosophy and approach as well. Mm-hmm. I think that can uh, certainly benefit everybody on down the line. So thanks again for being on tonight. appreciate it. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Coach. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode. 